Welcome once again to the Shenzhen Stories Podcast. I am your host and founder of Shenzhen Stories, Trey Hobbs. We're very excited you're here today. Today's story is so incredible. I'm not even going to do the old spiel. I usually take this time to say, yes, Shenzhen Stories is an organization that seeks to create and foster an international community through storytelling in the city of Shenzhen, this international hub, this crisscross road of cultures and backgrounds and beliefs and experiences that all get to meet on this stage once a month and just connect with people. Because when stories get told, we start to see ourselves in those stories. We start to see people, strangers, maybe people we knew, people we've passed before in our community, and we start to view them as someone other than just that person taking space on the street, and we start to see them as a fully realized person with their own lives, lives that don't look too different from ours, lives that we can identify with. And that's a magical thing. But I'm not going to do that right now because we have to get to this story. This story is so good. I usually take time to say all that stuff, but I won't today. Today, I want to get into this story. This story was told by our very good friend, David Shepard, or Shep, to his friends. Shep has been working with Shenzhen Stories. He wears many hats he does a lot of our photography. He does some techniques for our live events. In fact, right before the story, he was still fulfilling these uh, these techniques at our first day live event uh, last Friday, and uh, he had to sort of be pulled away to come to the microphone because he had to set up his audio and his photography. Uh, but we're very glad that we were able to pull him away from his duties so that he could share this story with us. And it's so cool. I was thinking um, my story also has to do with family. And there's a grandparent. And there are, uh, a, there's a British man in my story. And eyelashes and a teacher. So it all, it's all going to come together right now. <laughs> Um, so this past summer, I had a chance to spend my second first day with my grandfather. And it was, it was really kind of special. Um, we, we went to the post office, <laughs> and we, we had lunch, <laughs> did some shopping. It was great. It was great. And it was really... It was really nice. I was kind of nervous about it because it was the first time I had seen him in a really long time. In fact, the time that I had seen him before that was about four years earlier when I left to come to China. And I, I said, Grandpa, I'm moving to China. And he said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I had seen him a handful of times uh, around the... <laughs> I, uh, before that, it was about two years before that, uh, I got married, and so I saw him then. He came to the wedding. But he had to leave after about an hour because, you know, it was getting dark. <laughs> he wasn't driving. 
And then before that, before, before that, I hadn't seen him in seven years. That's seven years. He had moved away, and he left without leaving an address or a phone number. And he just sort of disappeared from my life and from my father's life. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he's the British man. He was born in England. His name is Frank Shepard. Annie, do you know him? <laughs> Aaron? No? Okay. <laughs> he was born uh, near um, Bristol, England, towards the end of World War II. Um, and he... <laughs> Annie's next story is about <laughs> how, uh, how her grandfather moved to America, right? <laughs> no, so he grew up um, outside of Bristol, England at the end of World War II. And he's got this great photograph of him as a child. And he's about eight years old. And he's standing in front of a bomb shelter door on this pile of rubble that used to be his house. And uh, needless to say, his, his experience growing up was a little bit difficult after that. So he grew up and um, he decided to come to America when he was 18. And uh, before, before he made the move, he started getting really into bodybuilding and, and weightlifting. Um, so he was like, almost on this track to become a semi-professional, professional like, weightlifter. And I always kind of imagine him as the guy from the Charles Atlas ads in the back of old comic books with like the cheetah cloth <laughs> speedo. <laughs> um, so, so he gives that up, right? And he moves to America. And within you know, the first couple of months, he meets my grandmother, who is eight years older than him. And she's, she had come from Poland herself. And so I just want to, I want to give you a, a second to think about what this first date might have been like between my 18-year-old British bodybuilding grandfather and my 26-year-old Polish secretary grandmother. <laughs> the eyelashes must have been phenomenal is all I can think about. So needless to say, they hit it off really well. They get married, and my father is born shortly thereafter, and um, they, they live happily in a house. Um, and my, my grandfather had been working several jobs at a time just to put money on the table. Um, my grandmother was home raising my father, and you know my, my grandfather's like a very, very hardworking guy. And he eventually was able to find uh, one job, that paid a little bit better, and it had a pension. So he figured that he could take this job and just kind of ride it out for 30 years and then retire and, and be set, right? So for 30 years, he was a middle school custodian. Yeah. Can, <laughs> can you imagine cleaning up after teenagers for 30 years. Can you imagine cleaning the bathroom after teenagers for 30 years? Um, he was a trooper, but he did it. He did it. Um, and so uh, when, I was, when I was younger, my parents were divorced when I was about three years old. And so after that, the routine was that I would see my father 
every two weeks, every other Sunday, and he would pick me up and take me to my grandparents' apartment where we would spend the afternoon and then he would bring me back um, after a few hours. And so for years, my experience with my grandfather were three to four hours on Sunday, every other Sunday afternoon. And, you know, I, I don't know how well I actually got to know him as a person during that time, but I have these memories of him of like taking me out into the back uh, and flying a kite. And I remember that in the spring and summer and the fall, if the Mets were doing well, there was always a baseball game on. And um, yeah, I remember the, the TV especially because my, my grandfather was super cheap and refused to pay for anything. Again, probably because of growing up in a house that was rubble. And <laughs> so I remember the staticky old TV with the big rabbit ears and like trying to tune in the game just right. Um, and, and I remember um, that he was a, a huge baseball nut and he was very into baseball cards. And I think there's a few different reasons for this. I think, um, number one, I think it's a very, it's a thing from childhood, right? And I think not having his own childhood, he probably really relished having those cards. And two, I think it's, it's uniquely American, right? And he loved America. Uh, he loved the opportunities that he had when he went there. And three, and I think maybe most importantly, uh, this was like during the 70s and 80s when every mother was throwing away their child's collection of baseball cards or selling it for nothing at a tag sale or flea market. And I think my grandfather really loved the idea of finding something for nothing, of like finding buried treasure. Um, and again, I think that comes back to him being kind of cheap. <laughs> um, so yeah, so these are my these are my memories of him kind of growing up, and you know that pretty much lasted until I was old enough to drive myself. In which I said, case I said, well, I have my license, and I'm not going to visit my grandparents uh, as a teenager, right? Which I feel guilty about. I do. Like I I I think about it. I'm like. Mm, I probably could have made a little bit more of an effort. <laughs> and I, I kind of wonder if that, um, I always wondered if that like in, informed any of his decisions moving forward. Because when I was turned 20, my grandmother passed away. And like this was like a sharp left turn um, in our relationship. Because that's when he decided, I'm going to move away. And he um, he he moved with another woman who lived in the same apartment complex with him. And uh, they moved a couple hours away. And my, my father and I helped uh, load up the truck. And we packed him up and we moved him uh, to Vermont. And I said, OK, see you later. And then because nobody in my family is good at communication, we didn't talk for a long time. <laughs> my wife is laughing, but it's, <laughs> it's a nervous laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so nobody talked for a long time until somebody decided to pick up the phone. My, fa my father decided to pick up the phone and call my grandfather, and there was no answer, right? And he, he wrote them, and the letter came back. And um, it went on this way for a long time. And, and um, I got angry about it. And it, it was kind of like a sad time for me. And so... Uh, 
I just kind of started processing it as I was thinking about this story. And I don't think that I ever really got over it. And so maybe this, this will end with some closure tonight, hopefully. Um, but eventually what happened was he got in touch with my father and they started communicating again. And it turned out that he had actually moved closer to where we were. And he just never said anything. <laughs> So anyway, uh, after a few years of that, our relationship did start to get better, and he did make an effort to come to the wedding, right? And I went to see him a few times before we moved to China. And then this past summer, I got to see him, and we went to the post office, and <laughs> we, we went to lunch, and he ordered the short stack of pancakes, the cheapest thing on the menu. <laughs> And um, we did some shopping, and we, he needed a new doormat for his apartment, so I took him into the store, and I was, I was a little nervous because I thought that he was just going to go through every doormat and just find the cheapest one, and, but he didn't. He didn't. He actually went to the, the little stand of doormats, and he picked one up, looked at it, and he said, oh, all right, not bad. And he used his his bodybuilding strength and his best effort to tear that thing apart. <laughs> so you yeah, pretty sturdy. <laughs> so we go up to the counter to pay for it and it it's, comes to $6.87. And he pulls out his wallet and he starts pulling out singles. One, two, three. <laughs> And we're just, you know, the cashier and I are kind of exchanging glances. <laughs> he gets to six, and he stops and puts his wallet away. And I'm like, oh, it was 687. He's like, I know. And he pulls out this huge change purse. <laughs> and he starts taking out pennies and nickels and dimes. And he says, my pants are going to stay up after this. <laughs> And the cashier started giggling, and I started laughing, and we all kind of had this shared moment of, of comic relief, right? And it was great. And like, that's kind of the moment that I, I realized, like, my grandfather's doing okay, right? Like, he's, he's doing pretty well. And it kind of made me realize that, um, well, I was going to end the story originally by saying, don't be Frank Shepard. <laughs> don't. Uh, wait seven years to talk to your family, right? Go to the post office with them as soon as possible. But uh, I, as I thought about it, I thought that, you know, in that shared moment, I realized something else which might have been even more important, uh, which is that my grandfather is living a life that is without fear, and he's living without regret, and he's living without anger. And I think we can all make it our first day to do that. Thank you. Thank you, Shep. I mentioned earlier that Shep wears a lot of hats, and I think he mentions it in his story as well. The one hat that he does not mention that he wears on that particular night was his birthday hat. It was Shep's 40th birthday, and we were thrilled that he spent it with us, and we later sang, and 
Charlie herself from Charlie's Cafe, our lovely host, uh, who we want to thank immensely, brought out some cake. It's cheesecake. Shep hates chocolate. I know, I know. Please send all your inquiries directly to Shep. Uh, you can send an email to shinjinstories at gmail.com asking why Shep doesn't like chocolate. Or you can uh, follow us on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. Uh, Shep will also see those messages uh, and he'll be able to respond about exactly why he doesn't like chocolate. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, or you can also take those opportunities to keep in touch with us about future live events and future podcasts and future workshops. Uh, we would love to just hear from you if you just want to say hey, or if you're interested in coming to a live event, or if you're interested in sharing your story on our stage. We would love to have you because it is our firm belief that everyone has a story to tell, and we want to hear yours. The next opportunity you'll have for that is our live event on October 25th. Uh, it's our spooky Halloween event, and the theme is masks, however you'd like to interpret that. So if that sparks a, a little flicker of your imagination or you, it reminds you of a story that you have, please, please don't hesitate to get in touch with us. We'd love to have you up there telling your story. I think that's going to be it for us today. We'll have more stories coming your way as soon as we can. We want to thank you once again for being an incredible community, an incredible audience, supportive of these people and their stories in your community. It's a lovely thing to see, and it's a lovely thing to be a part of. So thank you for that. We'd also like to thank uh, those Lavender Whales for the use of their song, I'm So Proud of My Friends. Um, we're using that music for our intro and outro. You can find their music on Bandcamp, uh, iTunes, Spotify. Please check them out. Please support this band. They are incredible people. All right, guys. You have an incredible day. And remember, we're all doing the best that we can. So keep being awesome. Mm-hmm.